Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, we have a repeat guest, Reese Harper, CEO of Elements. Elements is a platform for giving out better financial advice more quickly. And I think I'm doing an injustice in describing it that way, but I'm going to let Reese tell you in his own terms the way he sees it and what has happened since his last visit. And with that, here's my interview with Reese Harper. Reese, thanks for taking the time. What's up, Jason? Good to see you again. Good to see you too. Dude, I just went skiing on Sunday, and uh, I was thinking about how much snow you may have gotten up north. Is it cold not, up there? Not yet. Like it's getting colder, but I'm actually I have no snow, which is which is fantastic. Are you in British Columbia or Toronto? I forget. Toronto. I'm in Toronto. That's right. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So actually told me that is our next international destination. Is well, you let me know when you're visiting, and I'll make sure. Like, I think that. that might be kind of the same. It's almost the same place as where we're from but they were really excited about it and i'm really excited about it, so. <laughs> excellent anyway i'll let you know when we're at, when we're in town in 2024 absolutely looking forward to it so uh, reese harper of elements tell us about elements well let's jump right in elements was intended to be a simpler faster set of financial vital signs to help an advisor kind of diagnose not diagnose but a diagnostics report to sort of assess where someone might be high or low in a given area of their finances, like savings, spending, debt, taxes, overall liquidity, or maybe their overall wealth. So if you can imagine in, in, in medicine, you might have a set of diagnostic reports like blood pressure and cholesterol, and then you might prescribe a very specific treatment in medicine. And, and in financial planning, we do the same thing. I, I'm more just trying to usher in a new category, uh, financial vitals that plays nicely with financial planning software because financial planning software we think is more about the future and diagnostics are more about present day financial vitals. So they work nice together. They play nice. You know, we have an open API and we are in active development trying to integrate with the partners that our customers want. So that's, that's the, that's what elements is. And it, I'm sure you have a few follow-ups on that, but that's the general analogy I would say. We do. And we uh, we went into it a little deep in the last time you were on, which was not that long ago. I think you're one of the ones who came back the fastest. So uh, we, we last spoke in March of 20, of this year, episode 269. But had you back because there's some new developments we, we're going to discuss shortly. But you know, for those who haven't taken a look, I will say that I think it does a brilliant job of giving you this playful, literally periodic table of the elements view of the key some key ratios and key percentages in someone's life, which allows for very quick, very fast onboarding to the point where financial advice can be dispensed. So to, to dive into that, talk to me about the difference between financial vitals and financial planning the way you see it. Well, you know, just, just to harken back to that previous analogy, financial vitals are for today, right now, what we're going to do next, now. And a financial plan is about a vision for the future, sequencing of strategy, more self-actualization. It's it's a whole thing. It's a big deal. And a lot of people aren't ready for that because they don't perceive a need or they see themselves as unsophisticated or that they don't have the wealth level that they need. There's been 20 plus years of the industry trying to position itself as wealth advisors and 95% of the country does not think that they deserve that. You know, they're, they're not part of that conversation. So I think financial vitals are nice because they apply equally to wealthy people as they do to people just getting started. 
And there's always one financial vital sign that you can like educate a client on or help them see, you know, no matter what their level of complexity is, there's always an adjustment you can make when you're running someone's blood pressure or cholesterol ratings. Like there's probably something you can notice to help them move in a positive direction. So that's how we probably would use vitals are sort of an ongoing, easier, faster way to interact with prospects and clients around most of their questions. And then you need financial planning software to sort of uh, prove your work, show your work, sort of illustrate the future, plan for where things might be 10 years from now. People just have fear about their money. And sometimes visualizing that can help resolve their fears. But it also doesn't do a great job at getting them to take action. Like if someone's plan in a traditional Monte Carlo simulation isn't looking great, usually I find there there's one of two reactions they have. They either quit and disengage completely because it feels like it's so out far outside of their reach that they're never going to make it. Or it's so fine and so obviously okay that <laughs> they don't really know what value it has for them. It's like, you're fine. It's like, okay, well, I don't feel fine still, even if they're wealthy. Sometimes they don't feel fine. So diagnostics uh, in that context, when someone has overaccumulated, might let you see where they're imbalanced. Maybe they're overallocated in their 401k versus their, their real estate equity or their business or their cash. And that's why they don't feel great. But they have plenty of wealth. Their net worth is huge. So diagnostics uh, and vital signs just are a quick way to see someone from a, a different angle. And we use it as kind of the foundation layer of analysis. And then we use financial planning software when we have plenty of information. We know the client wants to invest in that work, the time and the money that it's going to take. And their wealth is a little more seasoned. And they're, and we can, if you follow the Hippocratic Oath, you know, we'll say as a financial advisor, you don't want to force clients to incur costs that aren't truly transformational for them at at the, the stage they're at. And sometimes a financial plan is a cost that maybe a person should not incur given their relatively low level of wealth. I don't think we've done a great job as an industry yet of providing solutions to people that don't want to give us thousands of dollars. Like if you just want a conversation with a professional, we haven't, uh, until Elements, to my knowledge, it's been very difficult to even have any kind of conversation that's meaningful at a low cost. So. Right. So let's talk about what those vital signs are, right? You know, you've got these little, again, financial elements. Let's talk about which ones uh, are there. And uh, we'll, we won't go as great a depth as we did into why you have them. Uh, anyone who wants to listen to that, listen to the previous episode. Let's just set the table here for, for what is actually being measured. Yeah, I think uh, imagine a, a table with, let's just take 11 squares. The bottom of the periodic table is one row, the middle row and the top row. Imagine that in your head. The bottom row has five bricks. The first brick is a vital sign that met the first brick on the bottom left, kind of the corner of the whole pyramid is their liquidity score. It's how much cash and accessible investments they have so in Canada or in the US. Just think of this as a bucket where there aren't like tax penalties or surrender penalties to get the money out of here. This is the liquidity box. The way we calculate the vital sign is we just sum all of the assets and we divide that by their annual personal spending to get an estimate for how long they could go on that liquidity bucket. So if you're spending, we'll say 100,000 Canadian dollars and you have 100,000 Canadian dollars in liquidity, your score is a one, all right? 
So that's the first score. The bottom row, though, is measured in the same uh, unit. We call them term elements. So liquid term would be a one. That's the name of the element that I just shared that covers liquidity. And then the other four um, or the other three right next to it are retirement oriented investments, the number of years you could live on those, then real estate, then business equity. And finally, the total sum of your entire net worth divided by your spending. So all four of those elements on the bottom row are divided by your annual personal spending. And the numerator is either specific to an asset type, like I mentioned, liquidity, retirement, real estate, or business equity. And then the final fifth element on the bottom row is your total term score. That's kind of the holy grail, the mother of all elements. You know, we want to know what someone's net worth is divided by their annual spending. That gives us a real sense for their overall retirement readiness. A quick uh, rule of thumb here, somebody has 20 uh, years worth of spending piled up in their net worth. That's the same as saying their spending is 5% of their net worth. If they have 25 years, their spending is 4% of their net worth. And if their total term score is 30, then their spending is 3.3% of their net worth. So you can kind of look at that total term score and someone's age and kind of get a sense, you know, if they're at a 25 or a 30 or a 35 or a 40, they're in great shape. If they're at a 25, they're probably getting close or they might be ready if they're at 65, you know. If they're at a 15 or a 16 and score on total term, that means they have 15 or 16 years. Well, their spending's probably you know six, seven, eight, nine percent of their net worth. That's probably too high to sort of advocate for a retirement conversation in the near future. So I'm not going to go to a, a sophisticated, in-depth cash flow model because I know that in that particular scenario, it's not going to look pretty. So I'm not going to put that in front of them. I'm just going to work on the, the the element that they need, which might be liquidity or retirement or real estate equity. They got to build more assets. So that's the yeah. bottom row. The second row is just your cash flow elements, savings, spending, debt, and taxes. We add up your whole gross income, and then we show you and the client through their scorecard what percentage of their income is being allocated to these four categories, savings, again, spending, debt, and taxes. So it'll be reflected in a percentage. So you might see savings at 10%. You might see spending at 50%. You might see debt at 30% and taxes at 20%. So those four cash flow elements let you know how someone is doing with the way they're spending or saving, the way how tight is their situation versus how much flexibility do they have. And then the, the top two elements that are currently in product right now are their asset allocation, we call equity rate, and then their insurance rate score, which is where we take their disability life and liability coverages and, and sort of reflect back to the advisor whether the client is close uh, to a target level that the advisor might feel comfortable with. So that's the, those are the 12 scores. Um, they give you a really holistic picture and a ton of things to talk about when you're uh, meeting with clients. How's that sound, Jason? Did we cover them all? I think you did. And I think you kind of really got to the crux of it. I mean, it's it's funny, you kind of hit the nail on the head a bunch of stuff. It's like, why are we going to even open up the financial planning software when some of these signals are giving us say, hey, we have a more fundamental problem right now, right? Talking about, you know, for lack of a better term, using a medical analogy, we're not going to talk about your health in 40 years uh, and what it's going to look like. When we know that you're not working out, smoking, and overweight right now, we're going to nudge you to basically clean up your diet, exercise, and stop smoking, right? So those are what can we action quickly that basically is going to have that 
bigger impact than simply scaring them to death about, well, you're not going to live 40 years, you're going to live 30 because of whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, makes perfect sense. Yeah, I've, I've been trying not to scare people <laughs> with my element scores. So the reason I designed them this way is I don't think they scare people. In most cases, I've found people actually feel better when they look at them. Like no one's ever thought about their money in terms of how long they could last right now if they just start spending it down. They don't think of that. They think of like it in this way that we've illustrated it to them before, which is like when you get to 65, this is how long it's going to last. You better save more. You're dead. You're not saving enough. It's like fear, 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 fear. If you look at the American Psychology Association, like it's very clear that people in their accumulation years, the, the primary thing that they think about when you say the word money is fear, anxiety, stress, worry. And so on that bottom row of the periodic table, what I've found is people actually feel when they see their scores for the first time, there's never really like a, I'm super disappointed. They don't know what it should be because mm -hmm. it's not like good or bad. It's advisor coaching that allows them to decide. Like if the advisor is like, oh, wow, your scores are super low. You're not doing great. Well, they're going to feel scared. Even with elements, they'll feel scared. Yeah. But with elements, vital signs, you can go to a client who might be a little less likely to do a comprehensive plan and say, look how well you've done. You've got one whole year of liquidity and you have a year and a half worth of traditional, you know, retirement accounts and you have equity in your home and you've started a small business. Like, congratulations. You could go for almost like four years right now if you were to sell everything and, and uh, spend down your cash. Just like reminding them that they have something, reminding them that they'll be okay, that they've got a little bit of room, breathing room. They can make good decisions. They don't have to rush and feel scared and stressed. Like I, I like that uh, vital signs can be reflected in a way, like if you need to put pressure on the client to change their behavior, you can, you can do it. If you need to allow a little bit more, like them to feel safe, you can do it. But you don't have to change your planning inputs. You don't have to like lie about inflation rate or investment assumptions and put like 10% annual returns in there. You can just do a different conversation so that you don't have to walk back everything that you put in front of them. I hated walking back my Monte Carlo simulation every year or walking it around or telling the client, well, it's because you took out $100,000. Like, they don't remember what they do during the year. So I didn't want to walk it back all the time. With elements, I can show them how their choices move them back and forwards, like immediately. When you spend the money or you take it out of your account, your scores go down. And, and I'm not like having to run a new Monte Carlo simulation to show you that. I can just say, remember when you took this money out, that's why your scores went down. It's great. I mean, it, I, I, it was... 10 years of doing it the wrong way. And I feel more comfortable giving advice through financial vitals. We'll say like first and then moving to planning software. Yeah. Excellent. So let's get to the crux of what uh, you're really back here for. And that's what's changed since we last met. So tell me what's, what's, what's new and exciting in the world of elements. Well, Am I allowed to talk about upcoming product roadmap? I don't know if I'm like it allowed to. It depends on if you're legally allowed to talk about upcoming product roadmap. But no one found me to not talk about it. I would say for Q1, I can tell you what I just finished with our corp, our offsite team for Q1, which is going to be interesting. But let's start with like this elements money announcement that we made. Well, that's what um, I was really getting at, but continue. Yeah, that's a that's that's old news now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the new news. Just the last episode. So. Yeah, exactly. This is new news. The this is elements money. In my view, what is just think of this as a nurture campaign. Um, we think that advisors should 
or not should, but have an opportunity. Maybe we think advisors have an opportunity to have more conversations with clients if they adopt a financial vitals conversation with more people for free. We think that um, advisors will have more planning clients and more people booking appointments with them, more people asking more questions. If advisors demonstrate their competence to clients using a financial vitals conversation. For example, I send you an invite, you download the app, you fill out the scorecard in less than 10 minutes. Maybe I just send you a quick email and say, hey, I noticed that your savings rate was 7%. And typically for someone like you, I would like to see that at 10 or 12% given your income level. Would you like to talk about that? I would consider this current score a, a, a little bit low for your income level. That's a really specific piece of, that's a really specific observation. And that's very helpful to someone as opposed to a generic meeting request. Let's go to lunch. It's time for an annual review. Like people are a little skeptical of the value that they're going to receive from that kind of an invitation, unless you've got a 10 year long relationship. Uh -huh. But if you're just trying to get to know somebody, it's more effective from a sales and marketing point of view to actually share an observation, expose them to the challenge that you see for them and give them a chance to talk to you about it. The more specific you are, the better. So Elements Money is intended to sort of be a nurture campaign where you're circulating material specific to each element, co-branded or white labeled to your firm, depending on what emphasis you want elements to play. And, and uh, we're excited to help people continue to nurture their prospect list and their lead list to be able to have more appointments for themselves and um, just do more planning. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking before we got on about this and I said, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's like, it's like the evolution of content marketing to some degree where, you know, the idea with content marketing is you put out your wisdom to the universe and you'll be seen as an authority and people when they need you will turn to you. Instead, what you're doing, you know, there's other ones, other platforms out there that get to personalization of content marketing. But to that, it's typically, you know, something like, for example, advisor stream, which I was an advisor to at one point, where I can actually see what you've been clicking on. And it's like, oh, you've been clicking on a lot of articles about education planning, right? Well, boom, let me message you saying, hey, here's an article. And I know you've been doing this. Here's another article. By the way, here's some stuff I think you could do. Let me know if you want to chat, right? So personality, you know, personalization around message. But what you're doing here is so much more impactful because what you're doing is not just forget about what, you know, the thing that they're hopefully that they might be looking at. You're actually commenting on their actual financial situation and nurturing that. So it's it's like it's a it's like a dynamic content marketing almost. It's, a, it's an engagement, it's a light engagement that basically provides a tool provides something of value and provides improvement to their everyday lives if they just take that nudge before you even fully engage them. So it take, it's giving, taking it, giving it, taking, giving it away to another level. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I think there, there's a spectrum of personalization to content like that obviously matters. I think email nurture campaigns that are, are retargeting people with pixels and serving up content based on what they clicked on that's one way to sort of get specific but like that's starting to feel a little spammy to people as well but like where was i and why are you asking me about this and are you trying to sell me an education plan yeah like you got to be careful not to talk to people about the things that they stereotypically assume you're going to talk to them about because right. if you the first reach out you make to somebody's like, Hey, notice you're like clicking on this retirement account thing. Do you want to talk about retirement accounts? It's like, how obvious is that? 
like don't don't do that to people there that's degrading i think there's a way to do it without being creepy about it is what it comes yes to it just I, mean, doesn't, you, you, I would trust you to do it well i could trust you to do it well i've just seen it poorly executed oh. by oh. marketo and hubspot and salesforce and all the retargeting pixels like people are getting kind of like I mean, I'm, I'm part of the problem. I, I retarget and I do the same thing. So I'm not like free of uh, blame here, but like the client doesn't want, they want a real personalized interaction. Mm -hmm. And I think the only way you can get that from them is like getting to a place where they want to hear from you. And I think by telling them you have a scorecard of financial vitals that you will compare to your database, either proprietary or shared, and that you will tell them what you think based on that database, but then based on your specific insight to their situation on top of that. Now that's interesting. It's like, well, what are you going to tell me? Well, I'm going to tell you how much you save relative to other people, how liquid you are relative to other people, how much concentration you have in vehicles compared to other people, or how your house equity or something they care about that they want to know. Like, am I okay? Um, I think that conversation is you just. Noted, it's personalized uh, beyond just the content topic level. It's down in their personal values, their personal financial, their personal balance sheet. They've given you some information to allow you to do an assessment. That's a like that's a different level of commitment. And I was hoping to get there with elements. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Like, let me go back and clarify one thing. I think where it really falls apart is when we get to the concept of, for lack of a better term, automated personalization. It's there you the, go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, wait a minute, that's an oxymoron. That's an oxymoron. I mean, like if I, you know, if, if I'm not actually taking the time to personalize it, it's not personalized, right? That's so. the thing. And I, I think I've learned that personalization is always better than automation if you can afford it, if you can afford it. Yeah. But you normally can't, you know, that's yeah, what's done. It depends on how you, you know, it, it also largely depends on the degree to which you're looking to personalize something and how much time that takes, because there is a limit to you know, financial planning doesn't scale um, because there's only the people who deliver it don't scale themselves, but it can get more effective. It can definitely get more effective. Um, yeah, man. I, 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 anyway, I, I think you're right. You're right on. Yeah. So let's talk about one of the things we talked about previously was this methodology as a means of customer acquisition. So talk to me about the, the math behind this and how you see it. In terms of like top of funnel conversion, bottom of funnel conversion, just all across the funnel? All across the funnel. I mean, we, you know, we had a conversation off here about Kitsis' benchmark on customer acquisition cost and, and you know, how you see the time of investment of personalization being a solution potentially to that. Well, yeah, like I, this year acquired a really great client that I sent out the scorecard to um, I, he lived in my neighborhood and I hadn't really gotten into financial planning with this person in depth ever. Cause we were close. It's a person that's successful. I knew this person, but it's kind of like awkward. So like my neighbor and I don't know. So about halfway through the year, I was just like, you know, I've got a scorecard that I use to kind of look at people's situation and see what I think um, maybe give a second opinion on what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I've got that prospect downloaded the app, filled out their information. And I noticed something in their bottom row of the elements that had a really high TT score. Like it was like a, I think it was almost a 40. And it was a person in their early 40s, mid 40s. And they had a very highly concentrated balance sheet in their business equity. So of their, we'll say they had a, a 40 total term score, but like 30 two of it was inside of their business. And then they had like a 0.9 
liquid term score, a, a zero qualified term scores. They got no qualified assets, very little liquidity, a massive business and a, a ton of real estate. And so they were just really illiquid according to their bottom row. And I just had a conversation about that and mm -hmm. just briefly. And it, this, this prospect was like, yeah, I just have felt like when I want to go on vacation or when I want to like buy a car, when I am thinking about like my lifestyle expenses, I don't really have enough to like do what I want but I have like a big business and maybe I should sell some of it or like, maybe I should like, and I'm, it, it opened up a conversation where we looked at his cash flow for the last couple of years. And all he was doing was just continuing to pay down this real estate, pay down his real estate and then put money into his company. And it just resulted in this lot, nice conversation where we opened up a brokerage account. He was, he had, I mean, this is a person that has tens of millions of dollars in net worth. So it was a very unusual, atypical case, but no liquidity, like no investable assets, like no, no financial advisor and no belief that the financial advisor even mattered. Like there was no belief that they added value. <laughs> and so showing him that bottom row of the periodic table was like the most, the first time that I saw this, like in his mind, at least he said that he, he knew what the problem was. And he's like, well, maybe I need to build up some more liquidity. How do you do that? And I said, well, have you ever opened an investment account or like started saving cash and not spent, you know, paying down real estate or putting it back into yep. buying equipment for your business? And he ended up doing it and putting that uh, you know, he set up an automatic draft, didn't do any deposits initially, like no big deposits, just a small draft. And then within like six months, that account was a very large account with lots of deposits coming in because he started understanding the value of liquidity and the value, and he started a qualified plan and, and kept his business being successful, just kind of like slowed down the accumulation in those other areas. So that's I don't a great that, story because it's like he was doing exactly. it to himself because he wasn't, yeah. right? And it's like, but and I didn't tell him what to do either. I just showed him a picture, really, you know, and I told him a little bit. <laughs> there you go. All it took. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where you're, you know, so that's what you're bringing in with the elements money. Um, the top of funnel, the top of funnel conversion to me, that's that. I just don't have a tool I can have a real conversation with, with someone and have them feel safe. And the scorecard's pretty safe because like, they don't have to share all of the detail. They can just share most of the detail and I can have a comfortable conversation with them about their scorecard in a way well, that's that... this too. They're not giving away like the full deep dive financial planning information, which may feel, especially a, as a initial interaction, a bit much, right? Like there, it's yeah. a light way to get them involved, right? So that's the that's the most recent innovation. Anything you can share with us about where you hope to see this go? I'm so excited about the next stage because I've been wanting to do this for a couple of years, but I'm finally at the point where our client database is large enough to probably start establishing some benchmarks that we distribute across our customer base. So I'm excited about actual internal benchmarks next year. I'm also excited about advisor target scores. Uh, that's kind of a big consideration that has been unanimously at least voted on at this point. It's not being coded yet, but it is part of our Q1 roadmap. So I think it's really exciting to think about, think about an element score on a, we'll say like a bar chart left to right with a candlestick. So like you have liquid term right now in the app, if you log in, you can see that a zero to 0.25 score on liquidity is atypically low. 0.25 to 0.5 is low. That means 0.25 years of liquidity. What we're trying, and, and so on, it goes up to the highest score is uh, very secure and it's 15 plus. So if somebody has a 15 plus years worth of liquidity, that's like a pretty privileged situation to be in. And 
if they start complaining to me about money, I usually just tell them to take a breath and take a vacation. <laughs> but in that scenario, imagine advisors are able to say, for this client, this is the target score range that I want to set for this person, rather than the generic preset range hmm. that all of the customers are being compared against. We're going to allow advisors to say, for savings rate, for you, I want you to be between 10 and 15%. That's our goal. And so the diagnostics report that we'll uh, be delivering, I hope by the end of March, um, we'll incorporate all of these additions, which I think will be, it'll bring the, the diagnostics report to life by allowing the advisor to showcase their unique ability, which is to break the rule. <laughs> so you show the rule, but the advisor always can modify. And, and it's visually, it's a very simple visual. Uh, if you've been in the app before, you'll see the score range, and then you'll see a colored bar for the advisor range, and then a candlestick for the client current score. It's a really beautiful design. Uh, I'm really excited about it. So spent hours and days on just that candlestick and just that advisor score target range. And it's turning out to be really great. So every element score, I think that's the vision that seems to be most voted on by our customers and our internal team is we need a way to make those yeah. vital signs have doctor's recommendations on them. That's what we're doing. So, I mean, it's, it makes sense too, because you're just further going on the rabbit hole of customization, making it relevant to them and their unique situation versus the general population. Yeah. Excellent. So before we wrap it up, because we can go on for a while, I've know. <laughs> but, uh, that's only one feature. Sorry? Yeah. That's, that's only one feature. Yeah, but we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. So before we wrap it up, I got three questions that we ask every time. I asked you last time. We'll see if you get the same answers. I don't recall them, but I'll go back and check. First question is, if you had one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? Have everyone start accepting consultation fees for their time in mm. addition to their AUM fees. That's probably what I would do. Open your doors to somebody who doesn't have enough liquidity to qualify and just sit with them for free for one hour and show them something that could help them. Just give them your time. Just give them your time. Don't even charge them for it. I would one time a year for one person, just give away an hour. I would love to see that. It'll lower your customer, customer acquisition cost and it'll help change somebody's life, even if they don't become a client. Yeah, I won't say that I give away an hour. I typically give away 20 minutes to half an hour when I have. There my you go. I would say yeah. me too. I'm not, I don't need an hour, but I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a yeah. quick chat. Fill yeah. out your scorecard. The goal, and I'll just say it's built into my fit conversation. It's like, what is it you need? Where are you in life? What's going on? Are you a fit for what we're doing? Yes or no. Are you a fit for someone else? I know. Yes or no. Or are you just fundamentally needing to change some basic stuff? Great. Let's have that conversation. But yeah, the goal should be, frankly, I mean, I would hope that every financial planner's goal when meeting a new person and having an interaction about what it is they do takes that opportunity to better that person's life in that one yeah. small. Yeah. Right? I'll scope my idea down to one hour, one hour a week would be plenty. In my yeah. view, if everyone That's did cool. one hour a week. I think it would be changing the industry. Totally. That's my request. One hour a week, give back. And I'll tell you, for those who haven't done it, I'll tell you the, the, the feedback you get from people and the eternal and the gratefulness they have for the fact that you're not just, you're actually just willing to spend the time is uh it, it makes it worthwhile, quite honestly. The second question I have for you is, what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is today? The biggest challenge of, of elements growth or survival or becoming a company? Like, is that what the question is? Yeah, and getting just where, yeah, getting, getting, getting elements to where it is now. What's been the biggest single challenge you faced? I would say probably like changing or, or creating a new category. 
in an industry that is not really interested in new things. <laughs> they just so, want the old thing to make more money. I get it. They're like, well, I already have financial planning software. I'm like, that's not what this is. It doesn't do that thing that you think it does. It does a different thing. That's been hard. That's been hard. I mean, people people want an easy button. They want a diet pill. They don't want an exercise routine. And sometimes exercise routines are the only way to improve your life. So sometimes there are no diet pills. So anyway, I I just, I think that's been the hardest thing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, being a pioneer is never meant to be easy, quite honestly. And you don't get paid that well to do that either. Well, you know, it's, it, we'll go back to the things we tell our our, our clients who get uh, super excited about our new technology and something like that. It's like, oh, I want to buy this because that technology is awesome. It's like, that's great. Doesn't mean they're going to win. Right? Yeah. Like the inventor of the technology doesn't necessarily reap all the benefits from it. It's someone else who comes around and executes. So just hopefully you're the guy who executes. That's what I want to see. Last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting out of bed to fight the good fight every morning? Man, well... I would probably just say I like I never get tired of um, learning. So I never get tired of allowing my brain to listen to people and try to pick up new information. Yeah, man, you got I think at best you, you have 100 years to live. And it's better to learn and leave a breadcrumb like a breadcrumb trail of things that you did along the way to try to help. So I, I don't know, I just wake up and really enjoy trying to string together eight hours of good work. Um, that's really rewarding to me. Still has, and always has been. Oh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just interject and say it's because of the work you're doing that you feel that way. So, oh, thanks, man. Work, meaningful work does that for people. Uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, I, my value, like my core purpose, uh, I defined five years ago, just in my work, you know, and it's the relentless pursuit of meaning for myself, my family, and those in my immediate sphere of influence. So. I originally called it the relentless pursuit of ikigai. It was a Japanese word that means meaning, but then people didn't know what that meant. So I was like, all right, I'll just call it meaning. But the relentless pursuit of meaning. Like, I think that's what keeps me ticking. Excellent. Reese, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You too, Jason. Thanks so much for being so generous. We'll see you. My pleasure. Take care. So that was today's interview with Reese Harper. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, if you haven't checked out Elements yet, I highly suggest it. And I think it's um, it's an interesting and very compelling way to start off a relationship, whether it be just with a top of funnel prospect or someone you're looking to actually provide actual business service to. And with that, as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or was it your podcast? Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.